Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Haller. And now I love repeat guests, but I really love repeat guests for good reason. So episode 325, we had our guest, Christine Lucan. Now, then we talked about the emotional side of money. And I wanted to bring her on because I firmly believe, as she does philosophically, that you can't separate those two. If you don't know what your issues are surrounding money, um, you're never going to have a good relationship with money. And as a financial services professional, if you don't have that conversation, I think you're really not being a fiduciary. I know those are strong words, but I also think that it really damages the relationship you can have with your clients. But today, we are going to talk about the marketing side of Christine. So she launched a podcast, which we're super excited about, and she's doing an absolutely fantastic job. She's getting lots of traction and lots of interaction. And we have something here called the perfect podcast formula. It is education, entertainment, storytelling, call to action. We're going to focus on one of those four components of the perfect podcast formula today with Christine. It's going to be storytelling. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. Now, storytelling. This is something you're very good at. But it's also something that you think is really important for advisors and just general people to implement into not only their marketing, but their lives. So expand on that, please. Yeah. Well, first, I want to say I was not a born storyteller. So thank you for that compliment. I think many people kind of think like you either have it or you don't like you're not you're a good storyteller or you're just you're just not. That's not true. I actually used to be quite terrified of public speaking, of speaking in front of a microphone, of speaking on video. And early on in my career, I hired a speaking coach, which helped me tremendously. I did a lot of in-person presentations. Now, of course, post-COVID, I pretty much do zero. Everything is is virtual now, but it took a lot of practice. Um, and I think that's the first point that I want to make is my storytelling got good because I told my stories over and over and over and over and over and over again. I don't think people understand as much about the show component that you need to not only build in your marketing, but also your practice And all great shows are very, very well rehearsed. Now, there's always the funny outtakes and all of those things. And, you know, many of us really like to watch those. But when you look at a movie, when you look at a radio show, when you look at something like NPR does, it is highly edited and there are many, many, many takes. How do you practice? I think that's an important piece of advice because I don't think people understand the best way that you were able to get comfortable in your skin telling these stories? Well, I started small. I mean, it was really just taking those opportunities to talk in different group settings. So early on in my career, I was in a networking group and there was the opportunity every week 
to talk. You know, you get you gave your scripted commercial. And one of the things that my speaking coach really drove home was how can you even tell just like a micro story in a two minute presentation? And that really got me thinking because she said, when you tell stories, people remember the point that you're trying to make more than if you just make the point, especially if it's something that plays on their emotions. And so I started experimenting with this. And one of the first things I got really good at was telling my own story. And I think almost anybody who's gotten into financial services or financial coaching, they got into it for a reason. It wasn't just like, oh, my dad wanted me to be a financial planner. So here I am. I mean, maybe that's a, maybe that's a few people, but you know, for me as a financial coach, I crashed and burned financially in my twenties and there are a lot of juicy stories about my, that time period where I was engaged to my ex-fiance. It was a very unhealthy relationship. There was a lot of, uh, dysfunctional things that happened and I, I had to learn how to get over my shame and embarrassment of those things that happened and basically like squeeze the juice (laughs) from those stories, you know, like making lemonade out of lemons. I decided, look, I basically went through hell for seven years. I dodged collector calls. I had horrible credit. You know, I bounced checks to the grocery store, all kinds of things. And I thought, you know, I can, I can hide this stuff. But there's a lot of lessons in here that people can learn from. And the more I told these stories, the more people loved me. (laughs) Because we think as financial professionals that people want us to be perfect. And it's actually the opposite. Now, you know, there was a lot of space and time in between these mistakes and when I was telling them. It wasn't like I was telling them, you know, some horrible (laughs) financial mistake that I made last week about, you know, buying a thousand dollars in lottery tickets and none of them winning, you know, there was space in between there too. So, but it was interesting because I thought people would get really bored with my stories and it's actually the opposite. Like people would sit on the edge of their seats and they're like, even though they knew what was going to happen, they still wanted to hear the story again, which I thought was very interesting. Well, and I absolutely agree. And I think it's really funny. I talk about how repetition is the key to actually becoming more influential. People want to hear that. Uh, So upstairs right now in my home, my wife is watching one of three things, The Office, Ted Lasso, or Parks and Recreation. She knows every word to every single solitary episode because we as a family have watched them repeatedly. I don't think people understand how comfortable that is. In fact, when I was on the speaking circuit, I had, let's see, two, three stories that were my signature stories, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. So I'm going to personalize this very minute or or very quickly. So, so one of them was about when I was a subcontractor in college. Uh, One of them was about the, the power of listening. And then the other one was shooting my captain, fake shooting my captain during a drill in when I was in the Navy. And those three stories were my signature stories. And I told them all the time. And I have 
two or three other that are like micro stories that I would use as needed. Like one is teaching my kids how to ride a bike anyway, but the signature story is something that is really powerful and really engaging. And you get to do what you talked about before, which is practice, practice, practice. What are signature stories? How do you figure out what the signature stories are? And maybe tell us a little bit about some of your signature stories. I think the origin story is, you know, super important. Like, why are you passionate about this work? Why is it so important to you? Most of the times there is some sort of dramatic story behind that. Maybe a financial planner, his his father died early when he was younger and his his mom was floundering and you know he saw her meeting with financial prof- professionals and talking down to her or you know taking advantage of her ignorance on certain things and selling her things she didn't need and then that created that that protectiveness and that like ah oh, i don't want anybody else to ever have to go through that again and that you know that's really the passion that that drives it and with that signature story because you have lived it you can tell it with emotion and it's not it's not fake right like when i tell you my story of how i crashed and burned financially it's like you feel it like you feel the drama i, I make you laugh I, I put you on the verge of tears i mean i've i've had people say um you know the i can't remember if it was the first or the second episode i think it was the first episode of money is emotional where there were several people that were like i was crying when you told your story (laughs) and it was like well i was almost crying when i was telling my story because i could feel all of those feelings coming up again and um we can't be afraid of that emotion because it's so powerful and unfortunately i think we've we've tried to like separate like this is numbers. This is logical. This is emotional. We, we don't want to commingle those two things, but the opposite is actually true. Um, and some of the other stories that I tell are based off of certain things that I'm teaching financially. So I have certain stories either from myself or, um, of clients where, you know, if I'm talking about saving money, or if I'm talking about a divorce situation, et cetera, it's almost like I have a signature story for certain financial dilemmas or financial situations. Okay. Two, two things. Uh, Ernest Hemingway said, if I'm not crying when I'm writing it, they're not crying when they're reading it. So every time you tell a story, if there is emotion involved with that story, it is vital for you to feel that because your audience will feel that too. So there's number one. And number two, you said something that I don't think a lot of financial advisors get. There is a great balance between you telling personal information about yourself and telling emotionally infused client stories. Now let's talk about the client stories here because I love this more than anything. Cause if you tell a client story and you've had great success with this, you tell a client story, they see themselves in the story. Then they're already thinking that you're going to be a client of theirs. Kerblunky, kerblunky. Talk about that. Right. Well, I think some financial professionals shy away from telling these stories because of confidentiality concerns. So here's what I want to tell you about that. We can change details 
so that we're not breaking confidentiality. Now, there are times where I will have a conversation with a client and I will say, look, this this thing that you went through and this breakthrough that you had, people can learn from this and we can help people with this. I would love to tell your story. You know, if you don't want me to use your name, I can change your name. I can change some details. Sometimes I'll even, if it's a story about a woman, I might change it so that it's a story about a man and vice versa. And I even told a story in my book, Money is Emotional, about myself, but I changed the, I changed it so I was the man in the story. (laughs) And, uh, the other person, so basically I, this has been quite a few years ago, I had to fire a financial planner who was actually a friend. And so I wanted to tell the story, but it was still pretty fresh. And I knew that that person might be reading this book at some point. And so I changed it from my name and her name and I switched it around and it was the story of these two men, (laughs) you know, and the details were changed a little bit, but the kernel of the lesson and the kernel of the story remained true, which was essentially, I had took this person's word for it because they were a friend and I didn't really do my research on the back end to make sure that I was really getting what I was paying for. Flexibility within stories is something I think people are so concerned, one, about the fact that they're going to share too much information, or they're going to tell a story that is is not 100% true. And I want to address my take on that, and then I I want you to pull that apart a little bit more with the examples you just used there. Dr. Robert Cialdini came out with this thing called the Seven Principles of Influence, and one of the most important principles of influence is community and unity, right? So when you see yourself in a story, and if you can take a story and adapt it to the community that you're trying to attract, even if its origin isn't in that community, I personally don't have a problem with that as long as you're not holding this out to be entirely 100% true. And you can even start stories. And I think I've actually heard you do this to say, you know, hey, I'd like to tell you a story about this. You know, I've changed some details to protect, right, the the person who actually told me the story, but I think it's applicable to you and your situation. So tell me how you feel about that. I mean, I think if, if you're conveying a lesson and you want to protect the identity of someone. I mean, a lot of times I'll use like the air quotes. I'll say my client, Mike, (laughs) who works in manufacturing. (laughs) And then I will tell the story. And it could actually be a story about Michelle, who's an interior designer. I've just changed enough of the details to protect the person, but to preserve the truth of the lesson that needs to be learned. The truth of the lesson. There's a huge nugget I want everybody to take away from this is the truth of the lesson is more important than the specifics of the story specifically, right? We're looking to try to communicate a value, a lesson, an idea, a philosophy. Now, here's the deal, everybody. And I want you all to close your eyes and think back 4,000 years. 
this is all we had. Like We didn't have anything else but stories. And we have been telling stories to communicate exactly what Kristen is talking about here, Christine is talking about here, which is this idea that stories help illustrate points. There's an emotional connection, a psychological connection. There's all sorts of these wonderful connections. Now, I want to get back to the signature stories real quick because you just triggered something when you said that. How do you choose the type of story that you want to use? I think it really depends on what you're doing. You know, you have to, you have to understand the medium and you have to understand who the audience is. You follow me on LinkedIn. You see that a lot of my posts have a story within them. You know, I talked about, you know, just the other day about, I was with someone who is doing very well financially, but was stressing over every single penny. Like she would ask the waiter all these detailed questions about like what's included and how much extra if I get the shrimp instead of the steak. And I mean, she was just laboring over these decisions (laughs) and I was getting stressed right over this. And the, the point of my post was there are a lot of people who make good money, but still are struggling with this penny pincher mindset. And it's because they don't have a plan. And within that plan really needs to be what I call the fun money so that you can spend it guilt-free, you know, so that you know, like, hey, I can spend 500 bucks a month and I don't have to account for any of it. And it can be for whatever I want to. And then that way you're like, yes, I want the shrimp on this instead of the chicken. And I don't give a crap if it's $4 more. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want, there was a nuance to what you said there. And I don't want the audience to miss this. You just said, when I post on LinkedIn, I usually include a story. I don't know if people truly understand how flexible good storytelling can be regardless of the media. How do you successfully communicate a story through a social media post that doesn't have your voice or doesn't have your video? I hate to say this, but I I am a really good writer and I always have been. And so that certainly... That certainly helps. I've also I've also used a copywriting coach to help me. You know, a lot of people have said, you know, oh, you're you're an excellent writer, et cetera. But I hired a copywriting coach in between writing my second and my third books. And what I loved about this copywriting coach was his use of humor. And I have people have told me that I'm funny which is interesting because I'd never thought of myself as funny. I always thought of like my brother as being the funny one. But after enough people tell you that you're funny, you're like, okay, I guess I have to believe this. And so I really wanted to start using humor and using my natural wit and sarcasm in my writing. And it's, it's been very effective. And so I often think that people think they have to have this this big dramatic story all the time it doesn't have to be that way you know yes if if i am on a podcast for the first time and they say you know tell us how you got into this i do i tell the dramatic origin story and i tailor it based on how much time i know i have but we can use these 
these little things that happen in life around finances to make a point, you know, to teach people something, to show our audience what's valuable to us and what we value because that helps attract like-minded people into our world. You also said something very, very early on that I want to highlight now, which is this idea that you don't have to be perfect. So there's a movement within financial services, and you are part of this movement, to convince people who provide services to the general public that it is better to be your authentic self be who you are. Stop playing all of these stupid airs that have been so pervasive uh, within our industry with the houses and the cars and the blah, blah, blahs and the $80 million suits and whatever. Now that's just the surface level. Let's first off, let's strip some of that away. And then let's really get to the fact that, and it's a fact, people are buying you as a person. One of the things that you said early on in the show was, you know, it's important to, you know, and I'm going to paraphrase because you didn't say this exactly, but to, to go ahead and show your warts and all, right? So let's talk about how can you help or what is a good takeaway for an advisor to like figure out what would be a good story to show their humanity without crossing any sort of uncomfortable lines? Yeah, I I think the passage of time which you know i hinted at before most of my dramatic mistakes that i share a lot of them happened in my 20s you know but that was only like and... 3 4 years ago so i don't understand why you keep talking about i'm sorry keep going sorry about that well god bless you i just turned 49 so you know having that time passage you know to say like hey back in my 20s like here's some of the things that i did or even even Foolish things that you did with money when you were a teenager, or even just like things that you used to think, things that you used to think were important that you no longer think are important. You know, things like, like you said, showing up in the three-piece suit with, you know, driving the Beamer, et cetera. One of the things that I, I realized, I'm a pretty sensitive person, and especially in my in my teenage years, in my early 20s, I was very self-conscious. And I I finally had to come to a point to where I had to realize that my sensitivity needed to be turned towards other people and that I needed to not take myself so seriously. Because I used to, I've got some stories from, from my childhood where it's like, you know, if people picked on me, I was just like a bawling mess. I did not like being the center of negative attention. I had a very hard time laughing at myself. And I don't know, something must have happened in the beginning of my 30s. It was just like the switch was thrown. And I was like, I'm done being this way. You know, it's like, I'm going to laugh at myself before anybody else gets a chance to. <laughs> and then when they start laughing at you and you're already laughing, they're laughing with you. <laughs> so I think not taking ourselves too seriously is an important component in that. And then if you can think about some of the common threads that you see your clients struggling with, and if you can relate to that because you had a struggle, a similar struggle, those are gonna be the points that you're gonna wanna hit on. I love, we had somebody on the show a while ago, 
who had who had said when when you have a relatable experience something that you can either empathize or sympathize with the most powerful thing that you can do is not share your version of the story but show that you understand and i love that in the world of storytelling because what you just said there is what happens in advisors offices all day long Christine, they hear stories. That's all they hear. That's what they call. And whether it's a story with numbers and or a story with pie charts or a story because of, you know, what's happening with them self financially, personally, spiritually, grandkids, whatever, you're hearing stories all the time. Think about that part too of this power of storytelling. It's not always being the one who's telling the story, but how you receive that information that can also deepen the relationship. In fact, we were talking before we started hitting record, which I, I say this all the time. So everybody who listens to the show knows that we, we talk a whole bunch and then we hit record. And uh, I do that for a couple of reasons. One, because I want to make sure you're warmed up. It's very, very selfish to have a good show. I'm also kind of testing a couple of different things, mic volume and things like that. But, you know, it also, there's always something that I'm going to end up using the show. And, and you, when you post socially, I was telling everybody that, uh, my team uses you as a case study as a client because of how you interact with social media, because a lot of our clients don't do that. You show that you're listening by very clearly, in not being wildly verbose, but very clearly responding to people's comments that show that you're listening. Storytelling isn't just telling the story the power of storytelling, the power of storytelling is also receiving the stories. Talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's a hundred percent true. And as a financial coach, I hear the same types of stories that advisors are, are hearing. And I like to say that there's a story behind every number on people's budgets in their net worth sheet. And many times when I'm looking at something and as a financial coach, I, I, I spot a number that seems odd <laughs> for a certain category. And I'll just say, tell me about this loan here. And then I will shut up. <laughs> and you would be amazed at what you learn when you are quiet. And the information that you learn when you are quiet helps you to help your clients because you start to discover the emotional motivation behind the numbers that all of a sudden you realize, oh, wait a minute, there's this other X factor that was not clear on paper or, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that this was important to this person or this couple. So it's, uh, yeah, the listening is just important as the storytelling somebody had uh it was my grandmother <clears throat> who said you know matt uh, you know god gave you uh two ears and one mouth so you listen twice as much as you talk and i know she stole that from somebody she didn't come up with that and it, it might not have been my grandmother it might have been like 900 people in my life who were trying to tell me to shut up because i talk too much um <laughs> i have found that in, in fact I'm going to be writing something here in the near future. And, and the major focus is going to be the power of being a great interviewer is actually shutting up. 
And it's that space, that quiet, that ability that you're holding space so that when you're interviewing somebody that they realize it's okay to talk and that this is a safe space that is done with true intention. And there is tips, tricks, and techniques behind that. Advisors do that. You as a financial coach do that. It's so important to show people that you're listening. And, and, you know, if you're just sitting here and I learned this when I was a therapist, I wrote very little. Because if I'm sitting in front of my patient, my client, and all I'm doing is feverishly writing, they don't think that I'm paying attention. They think that I'm, and trust me, lots of stuff gets unpacked when, you know, people don't think you're listening as a therapist. And so, you know, we need to do the same sort of stuff with our clients. All right. We could talk about this all freaking day long. And I think, honestly, this should probably be a 10 part mini series talking about storytelling. But the great thing is, is people can subscribe to your show. They can listen to how you're talking about all of this stuff. Anyway, they need to follow you on social media. What else should our listeners do to interact and to glean more of your wisdom? Well, I, I think you covered it. You know, the only other thing I would say is check out my website, christinelucan.com, because that's one of the things I also build into the vast majority of the pages on my website is interspersing those stories so that people can see themselves in those stories and don't get don't get tired of telling the same stories and perfecting the stories pay attention to what people react to practice practice on your family practice on your kids practice on your pets <laughs> that's how I got started. I remember the first public presentation that I did. I actually bought a fake micro fake microphone and I gave my presentation to my cats like 10 times before I actually did it just to work out the kinks of the stories, you know, so that it would, so that it would flow naturally. And now when I tell my stories, especially my origin story, I have the timing and the pace and the you know, the inflection of my voice, et cetera, pretty much perfected. And there's certain things and phrases that I say that people always laugh at. And I keep thinking, someday they're not going to laugh at this, but they always do. They always laugh. <laughs> I, I forgot to ask you my favorite question, uh, which is, what did I miss? What question should I have asked you about this that I didn't? So here's one thing that I actually learned from my mentor. Practice telling other stories. If you're uncomfortable with storytelling, she actually said, like, practice telling fables to your kids. You know, get some of the, you know, classic fables and practice telling them to your kids using the different voices and and bringing the the emotions and the energy to those stories because she said if you can entertain kids then you can entertain adults <laughs> i was like this is brilliant melanie thank you <laughs> we used to do that with um, mission statements and value propositions and taglines for businesses if you can and i we called it the 13 year old test so if you can bring that to a 13 year old and they're like oh i actually understand what you're saying <laughs> check that box because you can move on from there and if they look at you like that's lame 
It might be lame, but did you understand it? There's always a follow-up question. All right, Christine, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming back on the show. Uh, you were, you know, if you guys haven't listened to, uh, you know, episode, whatever that was, two, seven, or three, I'm sorry, dear God, 325. Uh, go back and listen to episode 325. It was an absolutely fa fantastic show, which, which really laid the foundation for Christine's area of expertise, which is this whole idea that money is emotional. Check out her podcast, follow her on social and go to her website. And of course, we will have all of those links in the show notes. So thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, everybody, here's the thing. If you want to know more about how to tell your story, if you want to know more about what you can do to accelerate your influence, just take a few minutes and join our Pod Rocket Academy for free. Free, 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 free. It's a great opportunity for you to start building the foundation to actually start building the momentum that you need to compete in the expertise economy. Here's the deal. You are an expert. You compete in the expertise economy. Influence is the only marketing left. And if you don't know where you stand with influence, you need to find out because then when you figure out where you are, then you can figure out your gaps and you can figure out what you need to fill so that you can become truly the influential person you need to be. So for Christine and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Hallern, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to know more about how you can be your own loud, visit us at proudmouth.com and sign up for the Pod Rocket Academy. Through courses and office hours led by professional podcast producers and digital marketers, you will learn everything you need to know to become the trusted subject matter expert you were meant to be.